This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And this episode, I don't know if I would say it's kind of a part two or a continuation from last week's episode, but I do think that in a lot of ways, there are going to be some similar themes because I've been spending some time in conversation recently with uh, some people who are, I don't know that this is the word that they would use to describe it, and maybe it's not a good word to describe it at all, but kind of who are veterans of 12-step programs, whether it's AA, NA, Celebrate Recovery, things along those lines. And I've found, I've not, maybe not found, I've been reminded of how much I enjoy being around people who have that deep level of humility to them. They're not walking around talking about how worthless they are. That's not what I'm talking about. They know, though, what the result was of them trying to do their own thing, trying to live life their own way. And what they share and what I think in so many ways they highlight is this idea of starting from a place of saying, God, I, I need you. And I want to just share, now maybe you're familiar with this, maybe you or a loved one has been through Uh, some 12-step program, but I want to read to you just a few of these, um, the 12 steps. So the first step is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Now, if it's not AA, if it's NA or Celebrate Recovery, I think Celebrate Recovery steps are a little different, but, you know, alcohol, you'd substitute that out for whatever it was. Then it says that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Now, maybe some of you have heard this about AA that like, oh man, it's, it's vaguely spiritual, but it's not pointing people toward God as we understand him. Um, and some of these ways when they talk about a higher power, there are a lot of people that I've met in the church who say, yeah, I, I got connected with the 12-step program first and they kept talking about a higher power and just kind of imagining this higher power didn't really connect me. And that's what brought me on my search that led me into the church. So when you hear that idea of a higher power or God as we understood him, um, that's what they're, they're kind of being vague in the 12 steps. And still, this has pointed a lot of people toward finding 
the one true God, eventually. It started the search. Step four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Now, I could go through and read all the 12 steps, but I think, first of all, you get a sense of where they're coming from here. But second of all, um, those are the parts of this process that I really was wanting to highlight for this episode. And it's interesting because as I was reading through this, I was thinking back on the episode I did about sin and about how in some ways we watch our world kind of leaving that idea of sin behind. But I'll tell you someone who, or I'll tell you a group of people who has not left that idea of falling short is people in recovery. The first step, admitted we were powerless. Admit you've got a problem. Admit you need help. There's that line in there that our lives had become unmanageable. And if you've known anyone in the program or maybe just from popular culture, you've heard that they, they really usually come to this willingness to talk about step one as a result of hitting rock bottom. And I've mentioned before that one of the roles that I had before coming on staff here at Winning at Home was I worked just outside of Detroit in a home that the church provided for me, and I ran a really, really small-scale halfway house where guys who were coming out of um, homeless addiction jail backgrounds that were looking to get kind of take the next step toward getting back on track with life they would come and they would live with me and we would do uh, discipleship bible study type stuff we do some job training life skills resume writing those sorts of things and they would attend 12-step programs And one of the things that really struck me as I was in this phase of my life with this small-scale halfway house, I really was aware that the biggest and maybe even the only difference between my failures and my shortcomings and my... um, addictive, destructive behaviors was that these guys who their addictive, destructive behavior was uh, alcohol, and it wasn't just a little bit. It was, you know, if, if I start up again, it's going to be to the point that, you know, I'm, I'm too far gone. It was drugs, and again, a lot of times to the point that It's going to affect everything in my life. And I watched how in a moment, a relapse would just blow up these guys' lives. They would, in that moment when they started using, just not care about whatever the consequences might be. They just, 
this is what I want to do and I'm going to do what I want to do. And I watched and I was struck by, man, my destructive tendencies, my addictive behaviors, there's really not a big difference here. When I do what I want to do, I know that feeling. Going back to that same behavior, whether it's looking at porn, that would have been my, that was the clearest, wow, I see that I can do this in the privacy of whatever, my own room, and nobody else in the world, unless I tell them, is ever going to know about this. And I thought, man, my relapses, right? It, it looks very similar in some ways and then totally different in the way that I can keep this secret. And I realized that, you know, maybe your thing is something different than that. You go, I don't have a struggle. That's not my addictive, destructive behavior. Uh, mine is hanging on to anger. Mine's constantly measuring myself against other people and coming up short or them coming up short. And I'm constantly living life with that measuring, um, measuring stick of who's in, who's out, who matters, who doesn't. Maybe it's, you know, secretly gambling. Maybe it's, you know, all different kinds of things that we know where our addictive, destructive behaviors are. But we also have gotten really good at hiding them. We've gotten really good at holding on to the privacy surrounding our mistakes to the point that we can, we can hide it so well that other people have no idea. Now, maybe sometimes they go, hey, you're kind of in a bad mood right now. You're kind of edgy. What's going on? And we can say, oh, yeah, just having a tough day. And we can keep hiding. We can keep protecting this destructive, addictive pattern in our lives. And I've realized that I think a huge reason that I have so much respect for and so much enjoyment as I'm around people who are in recovery, it's that you can just tell they're, they're done playing the hiding game. And they've seen, they, step one, they admitted they were powerless. They saw that their lives had become un manageable. And that led right into step two. They came to believe that a power greater than themselves could restore them to sanity, which leads right into the third, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, and then made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and told people about it. Now, I just want to ask you as you're listening to this, uh, how many of us have done those things? 
honestly, if you're not in a 12-step program, probably not, right? And those things sound terrifying. You go, wait a sec. I don't want to turn my will and my life totally over to God. I've still got some things that I want to hang on to and some things that when I'm hurting and when I'm anxious and when I'm stressed, I've got some behaviors. Yeah, I know they're pretty destructive and I know they're pretty addictive, but uh, in the moment, I'm convinced it's going to make me feel better. And I definitely don't want to do a searching and fearless moral inventory because I know that there are things in me, like we talked about in the episode on sin, where I'm not even living up to my own standards. And you know, if I keep hiding that from other people, if I keep pretending that I am living up to my own standards, that every single decision that I make, every single thought that I have in my head, every single action that I take, the way that I treat people day in, day out, that, that I'm just walking the straight and narrow, man, that's going to feel a lot better. Even if I'm pretending, it's going to feel a lot better than actually admitting where I'm falling short, actually admitting where my addictive, destructive behaviors, maybe ones I can keep totally secret, where those things are showing up in my life. And what I want to encourage every single one of us to do, I hope that you haven't, you know, kind of checked out because you're like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard people talk about AA and it's more spiritual than Christian. Okay, that's okay. I want you not to apply this in the spiritual sense, but in the I'm letting God in on these things in my life. I know that there are some spots in my life where I'm totally powerless to win this battle against this addictive, destructive thing. And I know that what I do is I try to hold on to it. I try to hide it. I try to make it seem like I've got everything together. But internally, I know it's not true. I know it's got to be doing me damage to be holding on to this and saying, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. When inside I know things are not good. Things are far, far away from good. And it's probably strange for many of us who go, yeah, I made a decision a long time ago, decades ago, to turn my life over to God. Maybe you're sitting here listening and going, I did make that decision. I did say that prayer. I did decide and, and commit to that. But there were some things that I held back. I didn't really turn my will and my life over to him. And maybe today you take this line from step four and you make a searching and fearless moral inventory. And you say, God, have I, have I been so concerned with 
appearing like I've got things all together? Have I been so afraid of what would happen if I admitted that I, not all, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Am I just too afraid of what would happen? Am I trying to appear perfect even though I know I'm not? I know I've got these addictive, destructive tendencies and behaviors that rear their ugly head and it doesn't blow up my whole life when it happens because I can keep it secret. Um, I want to encourage you. I want to let you know. I've talked about this before that God is inviting us to let go of this stuff because we don't have to live that way anymore. If you've been around someone who is in the 12-step program or who's been in the 12-step program for years and they have decades of sobriety, you'll find they're still talking about, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what happens when I try to take control back. Here's what happens when I try to look like I've got everything all together. When I try to hide my addictive, destructive behaviors, my patterns that will keep showing up if I don't shine as much light on that stuff as I can. If I don't have as many people around me as I can that are holding me accountable, that are helping me, that are they're on my side. You know, that's the thing that when we're hiding, we're so convinced that, man, I, I can never stop hiding because if people really knew, oh, they would judge me, they would hate me, they would kick me out of whatever. What folks in recovery have to teach us is that we're, we're better together. Is that when we surround ourselves with a community who understands, yeah, we're all showing up here because we've tried to kick this on our own. We try to just white knuckle it. We try to just say, okay, I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. And it, it didn't work. We need to hold each other accountable and say, God, we're turning this stuff over to you collectively. We need you at work in our lives. We need other people that we're in community with to know what's going on in our lives, to know not just, hey, yeah, I'm doing good, good to see you, keep moving, but to know the internal ups and downs, to know where I'm at and when I'm in a place where I'm on that borderline of stress and anxiety and frustration and anger and I'm pretty vulnerable to my addictive, destructive behaviors. And what I want to encourage all of us to do is to stop hiding. Because, one, we've tried it and we know it doesn't work. Two, uh, it's not in line with what God knows and says about us. And 
three until we take the first step and admit that we need help and ask for help. We're just going to be stuck in the same pattern that we found ourselves in time and time and time again. And if that's your your big fear, though, is like, man, I would rather deal with this internally than let anyone know what I'm going through. I want you just for a second to think about the people in your life that you admire the most. And I have a feeling that even if you didn't realize it up until this moment, the people that you admire are people who are vulnerable, people who are open about their struggles, people who are willing to talk about yeah, I'm really not doing so good right now. And here's here's what's going on. When that happens, you're not sitting there judging people going, I can't believe they're struggling with that. I can't believe they're having those thoughts. You're sitting there going, man, I can relate to that. How amazing that they can just sit here and talk about it, have such little um, self-consciousness that they're able and willing to be open man, I wish I could do that. The cool thing is, it's a horrifically terrifying first step um, to open up, to share. But the reality is, you might be able to fool other people. Um, You're not fooling yourself. You know it. You're not fooling God. You know it. I know it. I've been there. I've done that. I've tried it. And I know how it feels. It doesn't work. It's a failure. And I want to encourage all of us, whether we're coming at it from uh, an AA or NA, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous perspective, Or if there are some other things in our life where we go, yeah, I never really thought about going to an AA meeting because I struggle with anger. I struggle with lust. I struggle with judgment. I struggle with, you know, envy. Whatever it is, this stuff thrives in secret. If we want our addictive, destructive behaviors to continue... We don't tell anyone about it. And if we really want to surrender them to God, if we really want to let him be at work in our lives, we surrender that stuff to him and we find a community. That's the really, really scary part, right? The surrendering it to God, it's like, okay, yeah, that's he already knows about it, so that's not as scary finding a community, finding someone that I share this truth with. Maybe that feels like a a bridge too far, too big of an ask. I want to encourage you to, again, think back on these people you admire. They're vulnerable people, right? People who are open about their shortcomings and about their moments of uh, behavior that is not who they want to be. Share that. Find someone in your life who you trust, 
who's not going to go broadcast it to everyone that you can share that with. Your community at the beginning might be one other person, but we have to figure out how to let go of this um, this lie that this facade where we want to pretend like we've got things all figured out, where even though we know it's not true, we want everyone else to think we just know exactly what's going on. We've got it all together. We don't have any flaws, any shortcomings, any addictive, destructive behaviors, even though we know we do. If that's you, if you're hiding right now, and if what I'm saying is really resonating, it's, it's a few steps that you know what they are that you need to take next. Admit you got a problem. Turn it over to God and find community where you can be open, vulnerable, honest, and real about what you're going through. It's going to make such a huge difference because you're holding on to this stuff and you're trying to just fight through it yourself. And instead, when you surround yourself with people who care about you, who want the best for you, who help encourage you to turn to God, to turn this stuff over to him, man, you're going to experience some freedom. You're going to experience some lightness. doesn't mean it's going to be a finger snap and just boom, overnight. I don't have any of these um, desires. I don't have any of these addictive, destructive patterns anymore in my life. But what it is going to mean is the next time that desire rears its ugly head, you've got some people around you who you can turn to. You've let God in in a different way, and it's not going to be the same, oh, God, sorry that I messed up. I hope you can forgive me. I know this is the hundredth time I'm asking for forgiveness for the same thing. Take some steps to surround yourself with people who are cheering for you and believe in you and who you can be real with. It will make a huge difference.